0: All right, good evening, everyone. Uh It is the first episode of what I will consider to be a eye-opening experience for everyone. My name is Catherine Baldwin. I am calling this the Catholic Woman's Perspective on Readings and Reflections of Mass Readings. And that's pretty much what we're doing here. Um... So, yeah, this is, like I said, this is the first episode, so I apologize if it seems crappy. Because that first episode, not too much to it. Uh, I guess tonight we'll go ahead and begin. i will go ahead and begin with our mass readings for today. And the first reading, and this is more of St. Dominic Priest. Uh, so, St. Dominic, if you're not familiar with St. Dominic, what he did is he founded the Dominicans, or, you know, or the order of preachers, what is better known as Dominicans, which is a lay order in the Catholic Church. I'm sorry, not a lay order, a religious order in the Catholic Church, and they do exactly that. They go out and preach. So, our first reading comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 1 through 7. At that time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the tribes of Israel and they shall be my people thus says the lord the people that escaped the sword have found favor in the desert as israel comes forward to be given his rest the lord appears to him from afar with age-old love i have loved you so i have kept my mercy toward you again i will restore you and you shall be my re- and you shall be rebuilt O virgin Israel, carrying your festive tambourines, you shall go forth dancing with the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. Those who plant them shall enjoy the fruits. Yes, a day will come when the watchmen will call out on Mount Ephraim, Rise up, let us go to Zion to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord shout with joy for Jacob exalt in the head, the head of the nations proclaim your praise and say the Lord has delivered his people the remnant of Israel Now the responsorial psalm comes from Jeremiah And if you don't know what a responsorial psalm is it's a psalm text that responds to the first reading cuz you're going to have your old testament books and your new testament reading from the gospel that's usually how the mass is set up the lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock hear the word of the lord o nations proclaim it on distant isles and say he who scattered israel now gathers them together he guards them as a shepherd his flock The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. The Lord shall ransom Jacob. He shall redeem him from the hand of his conqueror. Shouting, they shall mount the heights of Zion. They shall come streaming to the Lord's blessings. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. Then the virgins shall make merry and dance, and young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will console and gladden them after their sorrows. The Lord will guard us as a shepherd guards his flock. Alleluia, Luke seven sixteen. 16. Alleluia, alleluia, a great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia, alleluia. This is a gospel reading according to the gospel, according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and, behold, a Canaanite woman of the district came out, came out came and called out have pity on me lord son of david my daughter is tormented by a demon but he did not say a word in answer to her his disciples came and asked him send her away for she keeps calling after us he said and replied i was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel but the woman came and did him homage saying lord help me it is in. It is not right to, to take the food of the. He said in reply, "It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs." And she said, "Please, Lord, for even the dogs can eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters." Then Jesus said to her in reply, "O oh woman, great is your faith, let it be done for you as you wish." And her daughter was healed from that hour. Those are your mass readings, and now I have a daily reading. I always read from, from the, the Catholic Bible here. This is your daily reading, is from Acts chapter 8. Now in those days there occurred a great persecution against the church at Jerusalem, and they were all dispersed throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. But God-fearing men arranged for Stephen's funeral, and they made a great mourning over him. Then Saul was laying waste to the church by entering throughout the houses and dragging away men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore those who had been dispersed were traveling around, evangelizing the word of God. Now Philip, descending to the city of Samaria, was preaching Christ to them. And the crowd was listening intently and with one accord to those things which were being said by Philip, and they were watching the signs which he was accomplishing. For many of them had unclean spirits, and crying out with a loud voice, those departed from them. And many of the paralytics and the lame were cured. Therefore there was a great gladness in the city. Now there was a certain man named Simon, who formerly had been a magician in the city, seducing the people of Samaria, claiming himself to be someone great. And to all those who would listen, for me the least, even the greatest, he was saying, Here is the power of God, which is called great. And they were attentive to him, because for a long time he had deluded them with his magic. Yet truly, once they believed Philip, who was evangelizing the kingdom of God, both men and women were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he had been baptized, he had teared Philip. And now, seeing also the greatest signs and miracles being wrought, he was amazed and stupefied. Now when the apostles, who were in Jerusalem, had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them, so that the Holy Spirit might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet come to any among them, since they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. But when Simon had seen that, by the imposition of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give this power to me also, so that on whomever I lay my hands they may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Let your money be with you in perdition, for you have supposed that a gift of God might be possessed by money. There is no part or place in you for this matter, for your heart is not upright in the sight of God. And so repent from this your wickedness and beg God, so that perhaps this plan of your heart might be forgiven you. I perceive you to be in the gale of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Then Simon responded by saying, Pray for me to the Lord so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. And indeed, after testifying and speaking the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and they evangelized the many regions of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Rise and go toward the south, to the way which descends from Jerusalem into Gaza, where there is a desert. Rising up he went, And behold, an Ethiopian man, an eunuch, powerful Necadus, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was all over her treasures, had arrived in Jerusalem to worship. And while returning, he was sitting upon his chariot and reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Draw near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip, hurrying, heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you think you understand what you are reading? And he said, But how can I, unless someone will have it revealed to me? And he asked Philip to climb up and sit with him. Now the place in scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. He endured his judgment with humility. Who of his generation shall describe how his life was taken away from the earth? Then the eunuch responded, Philip saying, I beg you, about whom is the prophet saying this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip, opening his mouth and beginning from the scripture, evangelized Jesus to him. And while they were going along the way, they arrived at a certain water source. And the eunuch said, There is water. What would prevent me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe from your whole heart, it is permitted. And he responded by saying, I believe the Son of God to be Jesus the Christ. And he ordered the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch descended into the water. And he baptized him. And when they had ascended from the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him anymore. Then he went on his way rejoicing. Now Philip was found in us, and continuing on, he evangelized all the cities, until he arrived in Caesarea. Interesting readings tonight, and I will tell you that some of the stuff that I'm going to say is going to sound a little crazy. If you're a Protestant and you're listening to this, I welcome you. I think that's great that you're interested in what we as Catholics believe about Scripture and where we get you know, our, our, our practices from Scripture. So I love the fact that you are interested in that. So let's go ahead and begin with our Mass readings today. I always start with the Mass readings. Uh, let's look at Jeremiah for a second. So what is God saying here? What is the prophet of Jer what is Prophet uh, Jeremiah saying? What is what is the Lord trying to communicate to Israel? So Israel's been scattered for a while now because of the Babel Babylon exile. Okay. You know Jerusalem you know, Israel's been scattered, it's been torn apart. What God is saying is that He's going to take those scattered pieces and bring them back together back together to form this this cohesive whole and he says that we need that they need to be praised and rejoiced for he's the Lord and he's going to do these things now if you look at if, if you look at this idea of, of Israel being scattered and God bringing Israel back into his grace back into his good favor if you will it's kind of like what we do right It's kind of like kind of what we what we do a little bit in that we find ourselves far from god we we kind of cast him off a little bit don't we we say oh i don't need him he's not important that type of thing so we we're scattered we scatter ourselves from him right but what is he doing he's calling us back he's calling us back to this idea that we I should rejoice in that God is constantly seeking us. He's constantly wanting us to come back to Him. And we need to be receptive of that call. We need to be receptive of that call. And we need to be as enthusiastic as Israel. Because you hear it here. Proclaim your praise and say, The Lord has delivered His people. So there will be rejoicing with God, bringing Israel back into his favor, back into his grace, because God doesn't want Israel separated from him, just like he doesn't want us separated from him. And what I find really striking about this reading is that the perception of God is is different here. Because God, at this point, is not angry, he's not envious, he's not any of these things. What he is, is a loving, merciful, full of compassion, endless mercy. Look at the Divine Mercy Chaplet. If you do not know what that is, go go look it up. Go look up the Divine Mercy. And you can f- you'll hear the the history of it, the the history of the Divine Mercy. It's a beautiful prayer, and the first part is, Lord, Your mercy is inexhaustible. It is inexhaustible. It never ends. It never stops. It is we. L- but listen to that. Have mercy on us and for the sins of the whole world, Holy God. Holy Immortal One, Holy Mighty One, you listen to the words of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. We say that ten times is a decade. If you use regular rosary Ah, uh, the, the interesting part to me about this reading, for me, The interesting part about this reading is that God wants us to be really uplifted. He wants us to go out and say, He's done great things for me. He has uplifted me in my suffering. He's been there no matter what struggle. I know He is there. I know He is there. That's what he's saying. Here, is he's saying that Israel should be thankful and should be rejoicing that God has come and delivered his people. We are Israel. We are his people. We, the church, are his people. And when we're scattered, when we're scattered, it's it's difficult, isn't it? We see we feel so far away. We just feel like we're not getting anywhere, because we've cast him away.'ve we've cast, we've cast him away, haven't we? We don't need to be like that. What we need to do is we need to have this I, this, this more sense that we are his if when you're baptized in the Catholic Church. You are claimed for God. God has put His mark on you. You do not belong to yourself. The Catechism states it explicitly. They are made, the baptized, the neophyte is what they're called, the neophyte, the newly baptized are a new creation and they are marked as God's son or daughter. They are gained for God. That's why baptism in the church is so much more than just a public display. Of your relationship with God that's why we baptize infants in the Catholic Church because it's not just a public display of faith it is God claiming someone for his own that is why we baptize children little children in the church that is why we stress this idea that they are God's, and God is bringing them in for Himself. They do not belong to us; they are claimed as His. His seal, which is the sign of the cross, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, is marked on their forehead as a seal that they are no longer for themselves. That God has claimed them, and He will give. He'll teach them. By means of people. Be it priests, parents, godparents. The way in which to live. At our baptism. We receive that seal. And it is up to us as we get older. To accept it. It is up to us as we all get older to accept it. Now. uh, The responsorial psalm is is pretty simple Hear the word of the Lord O nations proclaim it on disannounced he who scatters now gathers them together and guards them as a shepherd guards his flock the Lord shall ransom Jacob he will redeem him from the hand of the conqueror shouting they shall mount the higher they will claim so pretty much this is just saying we're gonna you know Israel's going to praise God because he's brought them back together and he protects his flock note that he guards his, he guards us as a shepherd guards his flock. As a shepherd guards his flock. And what I think is interesting for this responsorial psalm is it's true. Think about it. Is he not directing your steps? Is he not directing every movement that you make, every motion of your day? Is he not doing that? Is he not doing that? about it he's constantly watching over us he's constantly guiding us he's protecting us he is there for us no matter what so we should therefore proclaim him we know that he's there then why wouldn't we go out and proclaim him to the nations and 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 just just want everyone to know his love okay why would not we want to do that Alright, so, um, this, this, uh, the gospel reading today, <clears throat> the gospel reading this today is, uh, about perseverance and persistence in, in your prayer and what you're asking God. Because notice, this Canaanite woman doesn't give in, you know, that it says, like she's, you know, bothering us, whatever, but she, she continues to say, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Lord, help me you know you know she's persistent, and Jesus notices that, and you know what happens he gives see he answers her request because she was persistent in her faith because she knew that God would help her, she knew that Christ would help her. What is that saying to us that is saying we need to be persistent in what we ask for? Because believe it or not, God will answer you if it is according to His will. If we only ask for something once and we say, okay, God, I want this, I want a better situation, whatever, if we only ask for it once, it's like our faith isn't there. Like we just make prayer a habit or something. We make prayer a habit. Or 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 something, you know, that type of thing. It's just an automatic thing. Like we don't actually put effort into our prayer. Do we actually mean what we pray? Is what I'm getting at here. Do we actually mean what we pray? And what this what this Canaanite woman is doing is she is persistent. She keeps asking. She says, Have pity on me, Lord Son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And then again she says, Lord help me. And then she says, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of masters. She is persistent. If we are persistent in our jobs, then why are we not persistent in our prayer life? If we're persistent, uh, my great priest, uh, Father Michael Supler at St. Margaret's in Bel Air, where my husband and I uh, attended, um, he said, If we're persistent, we should be persistent in everything, including prayer. If we're persistent in our daily life, then why are we not persistent in prayer? God wants to see our faith in action. He wants us to continually come to him and keep saying, Lord, this is what I need. Do this in accordance with your will. That is what he's asking for. Because he'll see that our faith is great. So he will answer us according to what his will says. Okay? He he will answer us according to what his will says. And so we kind of get a little frightened, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, we, we get a little frightened because we don't want to ask him for stuff. We don't want to ask him for, uh, you know, we don't want to ask him something over and over again. But the thing is, he wants to hear that. He wants to hear that from us. Because then He knows our faith is there. If we only go to Him once, like if we're in the middle of a situation we only go to Him once, it's not going to matter. Our heart's not in it. We do it as an automatic reflex of sorts, right? Do it as an automatic reflex of sorts. And what we need to understand is We can't do that. We can't just say, okay, there's this problem. I need to pray on it, and then we're done. And think, oh, God's going to answer me. That's not how it works. He doesn't want half-hearted prayer. That's what I'm going to call it half-hearted prayer. Because you do it, it's an automatic reflex. It's done. You only do it once. We need to get into the habit of being persistent in our prayer life. If that means 15 minutes in the morning, you sit in silence and you pray, and then 15 more minutes at night, if you do that every single day, you'll get into the habit of praying and being persistent in your prayer life. And that's what God wants of us because you see what happens. Jesus helped the Canaanite woman and her daughter was herald because Christ saw her faith and was moved with pity for her. I think we're sometimes uh, taken off because we don't want to have that kind of prayer life. We don't. We feel like, oh, I don't want to ask him again and again and again for something because I know it's not going to work. I sense it's not going to work out. I don't, you know, what have you? But what is what I think is interesting about this. Is that's again, like I said, you see what Christ did for the Canaanite woman, he saw her faith. You can I mean, look at it, he even says, Oh woman, great is your faith, let it be done for you as you wish. He saw her faith because she was persistent in asking. Do not be afraid to ask. God, multiple times for something. If it's something you really need, go to Him three, four, however many times. He'll see it. He will see it. And what we need to realize, what we need to understand, is that this persistence can't be oh god i want you to do it my way that's not what it is the persistence in prayer means that you know that god will move and work in his time for his will okay that's what we need to be doing about persistence in our prayer life now let's go on to the main reading, our daily reading. This is gonna throw you guys off. Some of you that might be listening that aren't actually pro- aren't Catholic, you might be Protestant or what have you. It's gonna throw you off because I'm gonna tell you straight up. This has the Catholic Church written all over it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, per- so uh, at the time, there was a great persecution against the church at Jerusalem in the early days when the church was small. A lot of people persecuted the early church. A lot of people. Saul, before he came, Paul was one of them. Okay, and then God fearing men around Stephen's funeral. He was one of the disciples who was killed, and they had a great morning. So. Then here's Saul, he's not Paul yet, he hasn't had his conversion, but he's laying waste by the church, entering through the houses and dragging away men and women and committing them in prison, all because they were practicing Christians. And now, there wasn't really a church at the time. They were little houses. Everybody go to little houses. And what, what Saul's doing is he's just, you know, going and killing everybody and putting them in prison. So those were days were dispersed. They were traveling and evangelizing and preaching the word of God. Now now we get to Philip. Philip is one of the disciples, and he he's preaching Christ. He's evangelizing them because they may not know Christ. And you know Philip has gotten the Holy Spirit. He's gotten the power to dispel demons, all this other stuff from the imposition of the laying on of hands by the first apostles. And the crowd is amazed by what Philip's doing because Philip is performing these signs for them okay Philip is performing these signs and they're absolutely amazed and again because many of them had unclean spirits and all these other things and they were removed and then he was curing the sick and all these other things now what's interesting here is there's a man named Simon that comes in he'd been a magician in the city and he decides, and, and he claims to be great. He claims to be great. So, what does he do? He copies Philip. He copies Philip. And what's interesting is, he, he's like, here, are the power of God, which is called great. So, he, he, he's deluding them. And, and and these people are drawn to him because he was deluding them. He was making a false statement and yet they were okay with it because it was magic, so they believed him. But what happened is once Philip comes along and he preaches to them, their eyes are open pretty much and they see the error of their ways and they're baptized. And then Simon comes in and he starts seeing what Philip's doing and he's stupefied. He's amazed. Now, when the apostles, so Peter and John are two of the original apostles and they sent the Holy Spirit to the other ones, the other apostles. And so they laid their hands on them. so that they would receive the Holy Spirit that's called the imposition of hands or the laying on of hands that is still a common practice in the church in the Catholic church when a priest or a deacon is anointed for he had not come among them since they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so the Holy Spirit hadn't descended upon these people yet they were baptized they knew about the lord but the holy spirit had not come upon them they laid their hands on them and they received the holy spirit that's called what's called the laying of hands or the imposition of hands that's how the ministries carried on so these people are baptized they then receive the holy spirit the laying on of hands which is our confirmation now which is where you know we confirm, we're confirmed Catholics. We're considered adults in the church because we've reached the age of reason where we can accept the Holy Spirit and we're a confirmed Catholic and we're looked at in the church. Okay, so Simon sees what Peter and John are doing, and he's like, he's gonna offer them money. How about them apples? He gonna offer them some money. offer them some money and he says give this power to me also that i may whoever i lay my hands on the holy spirit may come to them too but peter said that isn't that doesn't money isn't important here money doesn't matter money isn't the the cause here there's no part or place for you in this matter for your heart is not upright in the sight of god And so repent from this your wickedness. And beg God so perhaps this plan of your heart might be forgiven you. For I perceive you to be in the gale of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. So pretty much Peter's rebuking him saying. Your heart isn't in the right place to receive the Holy Spirit. Your heart isn't where it needs to be to receive that gift. Because God is not going to give His Holy Spirit to somebody who's half-hearted. He wants to give the Holy Spirit to somebody who... Is fully invested in the faith... And who will carry out the faith... A hundred percent... No matter what trial... No matter what tribulation. Okay? That's, That's what he's looking for here. And... What's interesting... Now what's interesting here for me is the fact that, that, you know, Peter's speaking to us too. Saint Peter is speaking to us too. Are we half-hearted when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit? Are we half-hearted with the graces that God wants to give us? Are we just saying, oh, I'll take it just because it's there. It doesn't have any meaning to me. It doesn't have a purpose. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's stupid. He's saying, are we that way? Because if we are, we need to act up and change our mindset about the gifts that God is giving us. Because we cannot be in a state where we don't care. We're going to receive God's grace half-heartedly. Like, we're not into it. We're not serious about it. We just want it because everybody else does, and we want to fit in. God's not looking for that. God is looking for people who will accept His grace and accept His gifts Without any hesitation. And they are 100% serious about these things. And that they're they're committed. Because he doesn't want a half-hearted person. He wants a soul that is fully committed. Now, if we skip a little bit. We're going to go to where Philip is summoned by the angel of the Lord to go to this chariot that's riding. And this is where priests come in. And this is where revelation from people who are knowledgeable about Scripture is important. So that's why when Protestants have this individual interpretation of Scripture, it's actually wrong. And um, Philip says... Do it, how can I unless someone will have revealed it to me? And he asked Philip to climb and sit with him. And so now Philip says, I beg you about whom is, and then the, the eunuch says, I beg you, whom is, What? what he's asking questions about the scripture because he doesn't understand. So what does Philip do? He evangelizes. He begins with Isaiah because that's where the eunuch was reading. And he evangelizes. And that's what priests do. That's what we are called as the church to do. To evangelize the world. But I I, I want to get on a I'm going to ruffle some feathers and you know what, that's fine. Because I, I told you guys in the beginning, this is a Catholic interpretation of scripture. This is going based on what the church believes about scripture and where we get this source from. This is why priests and religious are so important, because priests and the church give us this guidance so that we're not interpreting scripture wrong. Because what happens if you have individual interpretation of scripture? You have what's you know these individual interpret. So you have two people that can look at the same passage and say, "Okay, this this one person thinks it means one thing." This other person thinks it's another. It's confusing. How do you know which is right? That's why the church herself has the authority to interpret scripture. And her interpretation, which is tradition, sacred scripture, and the magisterium of the church, they cannot conflict each other. Okay, The magisterium is the teaching office of the church. The nice part about having three sources of authority is they cannot conflict each other. They can't contradict each other. And so you can go to the church and she will direct you by her priests what that specific passage means. And that's what Philip's doing. Philip has had revealed truth given to him by Peter and John. And he is now handing on that word because he's received it and on and on. Okay? Now, I want to close simply by saying a couple points for this evening. And the big one for me that I, I want to stress is this idea that perseverance and prayer is important. And why do I say that perseverance in prayer is important? Because God wants to see us persevere in everything we do, including our our prayer life. Our prayer life should always be persistent. We should never have to worry about asking God something too many times. Because you see what Jesus did for the Canaanite woman. The other thing, based on our first reading, our first mass reading, is that we need to to go out and praise God when he brings us back to him. We need to go out and tell the world that he has done so much for me and he's done so many things for me that I can't help but praise him. I can't help but go out and tell the world about him because he's done so much for me. And then the last thing, based on our reading, of our daily reading, is that there was persecution because there are people who disagreed with what the church is doing. And we need to accept that because there's going to be persecution in our own lives. There's going to be persecution in our own lives. And what I think needs to be noted here is that we need to accept the persecution and we need to give it up as You know, for God. And that's what, you know, suffering can be a form of giving it up to God because He died on the cross for us. And the last thing is we need the church to guide us in our understanding of Scripture because we do not need to be led in error. Okay? We don't need to be. And I'm sorry if you're a Protestant listening to this tonight. I'll make a disclaimer. Like I said, I'm sorry if you're getting your feathers ruffled. Unfortunately, that's going to happen a lot on this series, so please bear with me and hear me out but we need the church to help us understand the correct meaning of scripture and to not let our own interpretation of it mask what we're trying to what God's trying to tell us it's not what we think it's what the church knows God's trying to say let's go ahead and end in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit Oh Lord, I ask that this series might be a blessing to those who listen to it. I hope it may be uplifting to them. And that they may come to know the fullness of your truth through the church. And that they may be brought home to the holy Catholic Roman Church. And we pray, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And I bless you all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and I'll see you guys later.